Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me, as always, is your other co-host, John. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been a stressful week with work. Been doing a ton of traveling, driving a lot back and forth um, up to Connecticut, um, just working on a project up there, and it's going well, but it's just uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty difficult but you know we're getting through getting through looking forward to talking about some college football tonight though absolutely i have also had a stressful week um i'm ready to get right into football and kind of forget about all the stress (laughs) sounds good well should we touch on a couple things first um maybe talk a little bit about the big 10 schedule yes the big 10 came out with their new uh schedules for the next several years so We went through this once before, before we knew that Oregon and Washington were joining the conference. So now that has changed. Um, I didn't have a chance to go too in depth into all the different schedules and the cross protected. I think the protected rivalries mostly remain the same. I think um, so too. From what I saw, uh, which is good. Um, I did see obviously now with two new teams, you're going to see, I guess what's disappointing to me is seeing fewer original Big Ten teams on the schedule for Minnesota. And seeing more, you know, other teams, but that's the new reality. I guess we're going to have to get used to. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the schedules, John? Yeah, I mean, like part of it is kind of exciting, you know, having these four new teams. Um, you know, just because I think you know the matchups will be will be intriguing. Uh, you know, that's part that's why we they came in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy that Minnesota for sure as a, as a Gopher fan, um, you know, has, has uh, Wisconsin and Iowa protected. But I am going to miss playing some of those other original Big Ten teams more often. You know, that's that's definitely something that is sad that goes to that is going to the wayside. But you know, it's just the way it's going right now. And for all we know, this could all change again next year. So, you know, with the ACC, who knows? You know, we'll yep. see. So that's the thing. It says it's for I think it said it's for what, five years? Yeah. But yeah, we'll see if we get through all five of those years. Yeah, I I. I wouldn't bet on it is what I'm going to say. I feel like things are are continuing to change. I don't think it's all said and done yet, but, but we'll see. It'd be nice to at least get a, maybe a couple years of reprieve from all this realignment stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, it's already, like I said, it's diluted the schedule to the point of seeing, uh, original big 10 teams. And I just, I really don't need them to add any more teams anytime soon, but I'm sure they probably will. Yep, because that's the direction this is all headed. Um, and when it does happen, we'll talk about it and we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get Yeah, let's get into this week. All right. First game is Friday night. We've got two and three Nebraska at two and three Illinois. It's a 7 p.m. game on FS1. The line is Illinois negative three and a half. Total yards average Nebraska average 348 to Illinois 391 yards allowed. Nebraska averages 326 to Illinois 419. Uh, Heinrich Harburg has 477 yards passing on 53% completion, 6.6 yards per attempt, four TDs and a pick for Nebraska. Uh, for Nebraska, Kemp, Washington, and Fedone are the top receiving options. But of course, this is a run first team. It's a run first, second, and third team, really. <laughs> And Anthony Grant has a solid 5.1 yards per rush, while Harburg has 5.3 yards per rush. Uh, for Illinois, Luke Altmeyer 
has just over 1,000 yards passing on 65% completion, 7.5 yards per attempt, but he has five TDs, but also those seven picks, which has been a big problem for the Illini. Uh, Reggie Love is the leading rusher, but he missed the Purdue game and is questionable for this week as well. Isaiah Williams, of course, is their star at wide receiver, is far away the top target for this squad with 446 yards receiving. Nobody else has more than 155 yards. Um, Illinois has been bad against the run and pass. Nebraska has been good stopping the run outside of against Michigan last week, but no one stops the run against Michigan. Um, they're still averaging under a hundred yards against them per game. Even after the Michigan offensive explosion, Illinois is in total disarray after getting pummeled by Purdue last Saturday. Um, they can't block anybody and their defense seems to get worse every week. And, and they seem just kind of not checked in all the time. Um, They've also been plagued with nonstop turnovers and costly penalties. So, John, what are you thinking about this game? Yeah, I think, you know, I know this game is is being considered uh, more of a coin flip at this time, you know, which I guess it could. Mm-hmm. You know, Illinois could surprise and maybe get their stuff together at least enough to pull out a win here. Um, I think they have the tools. I think they could do it. But the team even, you know, uh, even though last week um, against Michigan, Nebraska, you know, clearly got blown out. But again, who will not get blown out by Michigan is, is actually the better question. Seriously. Um, and uh, so, but I think still, even in that game, Nebraska looked like they were more organized, like they were still able to move the ball, um, you know, better, or at least it looked like it to, you know, as much as anyone can against Michigan. And they look like they've been progressing better than Illinois, where I feel like Illinois is just regressing consistently. Um, And that's worrisome. You know, I think Illinois definitely has some talent on the field to make this a game. But at the same time, they just look like they're in complete disarray. And that's what I I, I'm, you know, I, I just have a feeling that, you know, Matt Rule and company are probably going to have a better sense of a team and identity and so there's just a little bit more confidence going in into the game where illinois i feel is just lost they have no idea what they're doing where they're going uh and you can tell i mean everything looks just so sporadic and you know nebraska my only my biggest concern with them i know right now heinrich harburg is is uh projected to be the starter but is rule uh, is he willing to, if Sims is ready, would he possibly put him in? And, and you know, is Sims still going to be a liability at that point? I don't know. We'll see. So I'm intrigued to see that if uh, if Sims does come into play or not. Um, with Illinois, I, I don't even know, man. You know, I know that I have no idea what's going to happen with them. Uh, it just looks atrocious. The, like the loss to Michigan for Nebraska is more acceptable to me than the loss to Purdue from by Illinois. So I think that is, that says a lot about where Illinois is at right now. Not that Purdue like looked bad. It, like Purdue is, I think is, is a better team than what most people thought. Um, but they got crushed, but they're not Michigan. And no, I mean, Purdue is, is one of the, I mean, is not, has not been one of the, you know, has been one of the worst teams in the big 10. I think overall, and and they ran Illinois off the field. Yeah, yeah. And so it does make you wonder where Illinois' heads at. And that's just what I mean. Like I know it could be it could be a coin flip. I'm not saying Illinois couldn't win this game, but uh, I don't know, man. I feel like the momentum is just working in Nebraska's favor right now. They look like they're improving where Illinois is regressing. 
Yeah. I agree. I will say Nebraska's got a bunch of defensive injuries right now, which could be a problem given how well they've been playing on defense. So we'll see their depth tested this week for sure. Yeah. And I wonder if that's not part part of what happened against Michigan last week, that they just kind of ran out of depth against a superior team and the defense couldn't hold up like it had before. Um, and with Illinois, I mean, I'm just every week, will Illinois star defensive players give their best effort? Hmm. Or are they checking out because of how their season's heading and maybe they're thinking about getting individual stats and that kind of and like, are they jumping to the NFL and, you know, stuff like that? Yeah, that's where, you know, guys heads can sort of their minds can sort of go that way when things aren't going well on the field. So it's I mean, it's definitely a circle the wagons kind of week. I think Bielema I think Bielema needs this one, man. I think he does, because if they go down to two and four, that's that's an ugly spot to be. And also, you know, Illinois had big ambitions this year. They thought they were they were competing for the West Division, whereas Nebraska, I think if Nebraska goes six and six, everyone's going to throw their hands in the air and say, hey, we did it. Finally, we're back to a bowl game year one. Um, But I don't think Illinois is going to be happy going six and six. And so they got to they got to turn things around and they got to start playing a little better ball on the field and give their fans something to cheer for. Yeah, I think this is just really it's going to come down. Who wants it more? Yeah. Uh, and as of right now, I, I do feel like Illinois is probably a little bit more desperate than Nebraska in in just this week. Um, but Nebraska just seems to have their have everything together far, far better than Illinois does at this point in time. So I don't know, man. This I felt like last week, Nebraska kind of realized they were overmatched early on and were like, we're going to take a bye week. Yeah. And I don't think I'm not saying that's like a great thing. And I'm sure their fans are not happy about that. But like I can you can kind of see how that happens. Sometimes you realize you're overmatched and you kind of you kind of start thinking, let's get to next week when we can probably compete again. Yeah. As far as the Jeff Sims thing, that is interesting. I mean, don't you think, though, that rule is only putting Sims in if Harburg struggles? I can't imagine he's going to throw him out there if Harburg's playing well. I mean, I have to believe that. I, I I don't think Rule is that. I don't think he's stupid. I don't think he's dumb at all. I think he he is a smart coach, so I don't think he would make that mistake. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Harburg does start to struggle if that's what happens, and then to see what how that that offense changes if that if at all or go or who knows maybe Sims does look better. But yeah, I'll be looking out for that. Awesome. All right, should we pick it? Yeah. I have got Nebraska 20, Illinois 17. I do think Illinois will move the ball. I do think they'll make some plays, but I just think they're also going to turn the ball over. And I think they're going to give Nebraska some short fields. And I think Nebraska is going to take advantage and pull out a victory that way. I have Nebraska 24 and Illinois 20. Yeah, I, I think I feel the same way as you. I do think Illinois is going to be able to manage to get some things together, get a few good drives um, and be able to score a few times. But it's just not going to be enough. And mainly due to the, you know, like we talked about the disorganization. So I, I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll see some kind of Illinois look a little bit more stable this week. That's what I'm going to hope to see out of them, even if in a loss. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to Saturday's games. We have 5-0 Maryland at 5-0 number four Ohio State. So the Terps are heading into the horseshoe to take on the Buckeyes. 
This is an 11 a.m. game on Fox. The line is Ohio State, negative 20. Total yards, Maryland's averaging 455 to Ohio State's 448. So pretty similar output there. Yards allowed, Maryland's giving three twenty up 328. Ohio State giving up just 255 yards per game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, for Ohio State, Kyle McCord has just over 1,000 yards passing with 66% completion percentage, 9.3 yards per attempt, 6 TDs, and 1 pick. So pretty impressive stats right there. Harrison, Igbuka, Stouffer, and Fleming uh, continue to make up an elite crew of pass catchers. Trainum and Henderson are making the running game go behind a solid offensive line for the Buckeyes. Um, for Maryland, Leah Tugavailoa has over 1,400 yards passing on a gaudy 66% completions, 8.6 yards per attempt. He also has 13 TDs and three picks. It's been a really amazing season for him, and I'm really excited to watch him go up against this Buckeye defense. Um, McDonald has emerged as the most effective back, but this offense obviously makes its hay through the air. Jones, Felton, Prather, and Deitches make up a good crew of pass catchers. Um, both Maryland and Ohio state remain undefeated, but Maryland still isn't ranked, which I think is insulting at five and zero in the big 10 conference. I think anyone who's five and zero in the big 10 conference should be ranked. And it's ridiculous that they're not. Um, especially when you've got, I think isn't three and two LSU ranked. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So are. Maryland should be ranked. Yeah. Um, both teams have been impressive on offense and defense. Maryland second in the country in takeaways, and they'll need to continue forcing turnovers if they want to keep up with an Ohio State squad coming off a of bye week. I will say the only thing you can say about Maryland is their competition's been weak, but they've been shelling their competition. What else can you ask them to do? So, John, how are you seeing this game? Well, first off, I totally agree with you. Yeah, that they should absolutely be be ranked. I mean, you know, you play the teams who are on your schedule, and they've been absolutely do- dominating them um, in every facet. So, um, yeah, what I'm interested to see here is, is Maryland going to continue to be able to, um, win the turnover game? I, I think that's going to come into play here. Uh, you know, is Ohio state going to going to give up the ball? Will they protect the ball? I think that could cause some issues. Um, I'm curious, is, you know, this going to be, a closer game and not a shootout or are we going to try to control the clock you know from Ohio State because knowing how dangerous Talia is if given a chance um, are they going to try to run the ball more uh, so I'm but this is this is a really good matchup I think it's it's tough to say I know Ohio State has definitely been tested a lot more um, obviously with uh, you know Notre Dame the Notre Dame game but Man, I mean, this is such a potent offense, and Maryland's defense is solid too. So I don't know. Yeah. This is going to be an exciting game, an exciting matchup. Um, you know, is Kyle McCord going to continue to progress? Um, because Talia looks so. Talia is clearly he's seasoned. He looks good. He knows he's relaxed. He's comfortable. This is a. This is. I know I've been harping on this every week, but like this will be a a game where I really do think Maryland's offensive line will have to protect Talia more. I don't think Talia is going to be able to be as mobile um, against that Ohio state defense. Not that he won't find some, some plays to be able to, you know, squirt out on either side, but it's going to be more difficult. He's going to need his offensive line really to, uh, to do a better job protecting him. I think. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think they're going to have to move and manipulate the pocket. They're not going to just, he's not going to be able to just drop straight back and stand there. They're going to have to shift the pocket left and right yeah. and do things to keep Ohio State on balance because this Buckeye defense is, I mean, this is the best edition of the silver bullets we've seen in quite some time, I think. Yeah. And so this is not, you know, last year, Maryland gave Ohio State a really tough game, a really good game, and they scored a lot of points. Um, but Ohio State was not playing good defense then the way they are now. Yeah. So this is a really big opportunity for Leah. I'm excited to see him go against this Buckeye defense. Um, I don't think Maryland's going to be able to run the ball. So I do think it's going to be all about um, him. I think it's going to they're going to live and die on what he can do in this game. And. And I think it's going to come down to that. And this is going to be, you know, um, Sam Hartman's a great quarterback. He's not the kind of athlete that Leah Tugavailo is. Yeah. Though. So I think this will be also sort of the greatest. I'm not saying Maryland's better than Notre Dame, but Leah is a is a dynamic player and he's a little different challenge than Sam Hartman is. So they're they're facing something they haven't quite seen before this year. I agree. I agree. It's a very interesting matchup and and it could get, you know, this could be electric, man. I mean, the fireworks could be yeah. could be amazing, but I'm curious to see how Ohio State decides to approach this. You know, if they do decide to keep airing out the ball or if they try to lean a little bit more on the run and slow the game down. Yeah, no, I'm curious about that as well. Um, All right, should we pick it? Yeah. I think that Ohio State is going to, I think they are going to run the ball for a while, but I also think they're going to try to be really explosive through the air. I think this is going to be kind of a coming out party for Kyle McCord. He's heard all week about how great Leah Tugavailoa is. And, you know, he's heard all season about how he doesn't match up to CJ Stroud and all those kinds of things. And I think that this is kind of the week where he puts it all together. So I think uh, we've, the final score is going to be Ohio State 42, Maryland 20. Okay. So I think it's going to be close for a while. I think the first half is going to be competitive. And then I think sometime after halftime, Ohio State's going to figure Maryland out offensively, and they're kind of going to take over from there. Okay. Yeah, um, I I feel pretty similar. Um, I don't know if it'll be as high scoring. I do think Ohio State might lean on the run a little bit more, um, at least for a solid half, um, and they will eventually air it out um, to, to pull away. But I'm feeling... It might be a little closer, but I think it won't look that I think Ohio State will look like the dominant team and and pretty much in control of the majority of the game, though. Um, I have Ohio State uh, 38 and Maryland 28. I love how you said that Ohio State's maybe not going to put up quite the offensive explosion, but you're still got them scoring 38 points. I mean, it's just not going to look speaks to how good the Buckeyes. are. Yeah, but it's not going to look that way. I think it's not going to the perception isn't going to look that way. Like, you know, you're not going to see. I don't think you're going to see these like deep bomb passes to Marvison Harrison or Marvin Harrison, Harrison Jr. um, All over the field or things like that. Not that you won't see that, but. I think it's going to look closer and it's going to be more competitive um, than what I think some people are used to seeing. Yeah. Well, the last time you said that Ohio state was going to play a little more power football, you were right. So we'll see if you are correct again. Yeah. All right. Moving right along. We've got four and one Rutgers 
at three and one Wisconsin. So we've got the Scarlet Knights coming into Camp Randall to take on the Badgers. This is an 11 a.m. game on Peacock. Line Wisconsin negative 14. Can I just say that two of the six games this week, Big Ten games, are on Peacock? So you win. You win, TV gods. I'm going to get Peacock <laughs> because otherwise I won't be able to watch these games. So so congratulations, NBC. Congratulations, NBC. You did it. You made me get Peacock. <laughs> I hope you're really, really happy with yourselves because <laughs> I'm frustrated about it. Well, I've already got it. Well, I don't have my my fiance got it. She likes some shows on there or something, so she's had it for a while. So I, I guess I'm I'm lucky. <laughs> I've heard their crews are pretty bad, so I'm going to be interested to see what the coverage is like on Peacock. Yeah, I've I heard I heard that Purdue I heard the um the Illinois that Illinois had some crazy that the the Peacock announced that the app didn't work i know i saw people complaining that the app wasn't working well so i hope it at least works i watched. yeah i think i watched a hockey game a gopher hockey game on there last year at one point in time and it was like okay it was a little weird Mm -hmm. but it was okay um but yeah i think that's the only you know sporting event i've i've watched on that that network so sure all right um, anyway, the line is Wisconsin negative 14. As I said, total yards, Rutgers averaging 347 to Wisconsin's 428 yards allowed. Rutgers is giving up just 268 yards while Wisconsin's giving up 375. Um, Gavin Wimsat for Rutgers has, uh, just over seven yard, hundred yards passing on 54% completion percentage and 6.9 yards per attempt. He's got five TDs and one pick. Uh, Kyle Manungai leads the way for this offense with nearly 500 yards rushing on 5.4 yards per rush and six TDs. So Manungai has been fantastic this year. Uh, Jackson and Dremel are the top receivers, but this is a run first offense for Wisconsin. Tanner Mordecai is 876 yards passing on 6.8 yards per attempt, two TDs and three picks. He's also had some fumbling issues. With Ches Malusi out for the year, it's up to Braylon Allen to be the bell cow. And so far, so good as he's got nearly 400 yards rushing on over seven yards per rush and six TDs. Uh, DK, Pauling, and Bell lead the wide receivers. Wisconsin is worse defending the pass than they are defending the run. Um, But Rutgers is a run first team, so that's what they want to do. So it'll be interesting to see how Rutgers attacks Wisconsin. Do they let Gavin Wimsat throw it a little more than he has than he normally does because of Wisconsin's weakness in the secondary, or is Rutgers going to you know do what they do, run the ball most of the time, play action pass, do the RPO slant, you know, do the do the thing? Um, John, how are you seeing this game? I'm very intrigued by this game. Um, I I don't think the Badgers sh- should sleep on the Scarlet Knights. I do think that there is potential for an upset here. Um, I think we were talking Ooh. a bit before. Uh, you you know we were, we were talking about how we think the spread is too big, um, and I do I do think so. I mean that I, seemed like a lot. Yeah, I I, I think Wisconsin should be favored. Um, yes, but I don't know. I could see it happening. I that. Wisconsin defense does not impress me. Um, I know they're better against the run. And obviously, yes, like you said, uh, Rutgers will want to run the ball. But I could see it happening, man. I mean, I think if they're able to game plan well enough, um, it could happen. I don't think it will, but it could. 
So I think, you know, as far as offensively, Wisconsin, you know, yes, they, they've got Braylon Allen, which right there, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge factor. Um, and, you know, they're going to run him and run him and run him and run him until they this uh, Rutgers defense, you know, wears down and then may, then they'll start to go to the air. And, and Mordecai, when he's on, he's on. But that's the thing is, will he be? And and if Rutgers can capitalize on those turnovers um, or can, can win the turnover game, you know, this could be a whole nother ball game. So I'm excited to see this. I think it's going to be a better game again than what most people are expecting. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout um, by Wisconsin. I think that this is going to be close. Yeah, I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. If Rutgers is going to win this game, they need to win the turnover battle. Yeah. Because if they can do that, if they can go Tanner Mordecai into a couple mistakes and get a couple, get a couple turnovers, some short fields, then maybe they can get ahead. If they get ahead, then they can start leaning on Kyle Manungai a little bit and see where that takes them against a Wisconsin defense that isn't, you know, the lights out unit we've seen, we've become used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I'm I'm really excited to watch it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the better games of the day. Mm-hmm. Should we pick it? Yeah. All right. I I think it's going to be a really close game. I think Wisconsin um, and Rutgers go back and forth throughout most of the contest. Um, I think late in the game, Gavin Wimsat uh, has a turnover when they can't afford it because he flutters the ball a little bit. And I just get nervous when he throws it a lot of the time. And I just think that, you know, that he's only got the one pick so far, but I think that he's kind of begging people to pick it off at times. So I've got Wisconsin 27 Rutgers 21. Mm. So I do think it'll be a lot closer than the spread. I think Rutgers will put up a fight. Um, in the end, I think Wisconsin will have a little too much firepower. Yeah. I have Wisconsin 24 and Rutgers 20. I think it's going to be a closer battle. Um, I am interested to see, because as we've seen um, in the past, I want to see if they do hope, you know, uh, Wisconsin runs Braylon Allen into the ground or not, you know, because I hope they try to keep it a little bit more balanced and, and actually allow Tanner Mordecai to throw down the field. Um and so, cause you know, after Allen, I don't know, you know, as far as depth goes, that's going to be brutal. So they got to protect him a little bit. Um, but I think that this Rutgers defense is capable of defending the pass against Mordecai. Um, and we're, I, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot closer, but yes, same thing with Gavin Wimsett. I'm, I am nervous when he throws the ball. So we'll see, but I think it's definitely going to be close and very fun. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited to see what Wisconsin's depth at running back looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, do they have another guy that they can roll out there who can be like Allen or Malusi and just dominate? Or is it going to be a thing where Allen has to be the bell cow all the time because they don't have the depth? Well, we've seen how that goes. You know, as the season progresses, it's it doesn't usually bode well for Wisconsin. No, they need they need another guy to be able to get take carries and take some pressure off of Allen. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up and and what kind of their production looks like. Yep, I'm looking awesome. forward to it. All right, m- moving on. We've got the two and two Howard Bison visiting the two and three Northwestern Wildcats. This is a two p.m. game on the Big Ten Network. There is no line because Howard is an FCS team. Total yards, Howard averages 435 to Northwestern's 305. 
Um, Quinn Williams is Howard's senior QB, and he has 842 yards passing on 58% completions and 7.5 yards per attempt. Eight TDs and one pick, so he's been pretty efficient. He's also a threat to run the ball, um, Williams is. So he's been very solid for Howard. Um, they have a lot of players who get consistent carries, including a wide receiver. Um, Howard spreads the ball around to a bunch of different receivers. For Northwestern, Ben Bryant has over 900 yards passing on 59% completions and 5.9 yards per attempt. However, he left the last game against uh, Penn State with an injury, and I don't know if he'll be back this week or not. If not Bryant, it'll probably be Brendan Sullivan, although it could be Ryan Holinsky. Um, I guess we'll just we'll have to see. Um, Cam Porter is the leading rusher for Northwestern, but this is not a team that's run the ball well at all. They've kind of depended on their passing game and explosive passing plays to to get the offense going. Uh, Kurtz, Johnson, and Henning are the top receivers. Um, Northwestern played Penn State tough for two and a half quarters before getting blown out. It was 10-10 at half. They had an early lead, so Northwestern gave a lot of fight in that game. Bryant's injury did not help the cause. It sort of let the wind out of their sails when he got hurt. Um, hoping Northwestern can get healthy coming out of this game. John, what are you thinking about this one? I think this should be Northwestern should roll to an easy win here. Um, <clears throat> you know, the only thing that gives me a little pause is Quentin Williams. He does. He's got a beautiful deep ball. He he's pretty accurate and he is dangerous on the ground. You know, um, I do think they might be able to to get in at least one touchdown. Um, but Northwestern, I think, is going to continue to or they'll be able to pull this one out. I am uh curious though as to how efficient their offense will look without Bryant because I do think that he was a real difference maker on that offense um, I think they probably will have to lean a little bit more on Cam Porter and and really establish that running game and this is a good time to do that this is a good time to try to try to get that going um, and get him going because if you do I mean he's a, he's a fantastic athlete he can really he could be very very effective so I think um, this is when you do that. This is when you try to get that run game going. Um, yep. And I think the defense will be just fine. Um, but like I said, eh, I think Howard might be able to score one touchdown, just maybe something fluky. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. This is uh, you hit it on the head. This is the time for Northwestern to get that running game going. They haven't been able to get it going in Big Ten play yet. So I would say they'd probably want to work on that this week and see if they can improve it for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. All right, um, let's pick it. I have got Northwestern 42, Howard 17. I think that Howard will probably score late. I think this will be a game that's kind of a blowout, and I think Northwestern will probably try to pull their starters when they can and uh, and rest up and try to get as healthy as they can coming out of this week. I have Northwestern 31 and Howard 7. I think that they are going to try to lean on that running game, so it'll be a little bit lower scoring. Um, they're not going to throw the ball around as much. Uh, but, yeah, it'll still be you know total dominance by Northwestern. Absolutely. All right. Let's move it along now. Uh, we've got the next game is two and three Purdue Boilermakers at four and one Iowa Hawkeyes. It is a 2.30 p.m. game on Peacock once again. The line is Iowa negative two and a half. Total yards. Purdue is averaging 399. Iowa just 241. Yards allowed. Purdue is giving up just under 400 yards a game while Iowa's giving up 321. 
Uh, Deacon Hill has taken over at QB for the Hawkeyes after the season ending injury to Cade McNamara. He's completing 43% of his passes for just 4.7 yards per attempt. However, he had to come in in relief and it's always hard to do that. Um, so now they'll probably have a game plan this week, more based around his strengths and weaknesses. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, the Hawkeyes are counting on LaShawn Williams in the run rushing game. Not sure about the status of jazz Patterson, but Caleb Johnson returned to practice this week. So that may signal a return for Purdue. That would obviously be good as, uh, Caleb Johnson is the Hawkeyes starting running back for a reason. Iowa has to find somebody to step up at wide receiver and they need the QB to actually throw the ball accurately to, uh, whomever steps up. So Eric all is a good tight end, but he's not Luke Lachey and you can't expect him to carry the load like he is. So you need something at wide receiver. Um, for Purdue QB Hudson Carr has been the star completing 64% of his passes for 7.1 yards per attempt, five TDs and three picks. Tyrone Tracy is the best Purdue running back, but Devin Mockaby is also a factor. Um, Deion Burks is the best Purdue wide receiver, but you've seen uh, tight end Claire and the other wide receiver Sheffield have also been effective weapons in the passing game. Purdue has been good on offense and terrible on defense. Iowa has been great on defense and special teams and terrible on offense. So this is a strength meets strength and weakness meets weakness kind of game. Um, I'm really interested to see how the Iowa offense does against the Purdue defense because something has to give there. And I think that that's going to be the story of the game. Whichever, whichever unit gets the better of the other one, I think is going to be able to win there because, um, because they've both been really weak and something's going to have to, something has to give. What are you thinking about this one, John? Well, this is another very intriguing game. I think, honestly, though, the difference that I've seen here is I've seen Purdue improve and I've seen their defense actually look better last week than they did, than they have previously. Um, yep. Now, I'm not counting out Iowa's defense and their special teams because um, obviously, you know, Iowa continues to win games by doing Iowa things, um, <clears throat> you know, even without fielding an offense, um, somehow they, they find a way to win. Um, and I, but what I see here is that Purdue, that offense is humming right now. I think that they, um, with Burks and with card looking better, he's protecting the ball better. And they're now establishing that run game and they've got three solid running backs. I think the, the firepower that Purdue could potentially put up, um, even with, you know, Cooper DeGene, uh, you know, being a constant threat, they could possibly just put up more points, you know, because what are you going to do if if I if Purdue just does what essentially what Jeff Brom used to do was just be like, screw it. We're just we're just airing out the ball and we're going at them, even though this is what they do. This is their thing. And I feel like that's the best way to approach Iowa is not to let that whole thing get in get in your head thinking like, oh, well, Iowa's defense is this, that, and the other, which is true. But what are you going to do? You either go at it and you attack it head on or you just continue to let them do what they do and then you're playing their game. And I think if Purdue goes at it and airs out the ball and just and lets Tyrone Tracy do what he does, there's a potential for for a win here in Iowa City for Purdue. I think they could, uh, you know, do what they have done in the past to Iowa and and upset them. Yeah, I mean, we've found out over the years the way to attack the Iowa offense is to, if you're Purdue, is to give Hudson Card 
um, the opportunity to open it up and throw it down the field and challenge their defensive backs and just say, you know, the problem, the team, the trouble that teams get into against Iowa is they think that they have to play a perfect game. And so they, they get really risk averse and that plays into Iowa's hands because it makes it easier for their defense to execute the way to beat Iowa is to kind of throw caution to the wind and say, we're going to attack you and we're not going to worry about the fact that we might turn it over once or twice. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think this could be the best game of the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, it's going to be one of them and it's going to, again, I think it's just going to come down to, um, what happens with, you know, on, uh, with Purdue's, uh, defense. And I just think can Purdue's defense get some stops against Iowa. If they were ever going to get some stops, if Purdue's defense was ever going to be able to show up and make something happen, it's got to be this week or, and coming off that Illinois game, they should be feeling pretty confident. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Purdue's defense looks like they've improved. Iowa's offense has not. And with the loss of Mm -hmm. Cade McNamara, not that he was incredibly effective because of how he was playing hurt, but like I, I don't see it getting any better. I just don't right now. I mean, unless Caleb Johnson comes in and he's fully healthy and he's ready to go and he can run all over that Purdue defense, which is possible. Yeah. But like, that's a bit, you're holding your breath here. He hasn't played in how many weeks? Yeah. So I don't know, man. I think Purdue just has the edge in this for me. This is how I'm seeing it. Interesting. Yeah. So do you want to give your, you want to, you just tease it. Do you want to pick it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I've got Purdue winning 28 and then Iowa 24. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you think there's gonna be some points scored in this game too? I do think there will be some points scored, but I think it's going to come out to Purdue in the end is just going to be able to just, you know, do enough i think and i do think i was gonna gonna capitalize on their special teams you know being able to flip the field and probably you know as as per usual uh you know their turnovers so i think that's still gonna come into play i was still gonna do iowa will still do what iowa does but i think purdue's offense offensive firepower is gonna win out all right well i i agree with you on a lot of things I think that Purdue is going to have the more explosive offense. I think Purdue is going to significantly outgain Iowa. I think they're going to have more yards, more first downs, more explosive plays. I think they're going to look like the better team for much of the day. And then Iowa's going to be Iowa. And they're going to score on special teams because Cooper DeGene is a freak of nature. True. And they're going to get turnovers on a short fields. Because that's what they do. And they're going to probably have a drive where they have like where they lose five yards and kick a field goal after a turnover. And I think Iowa pulls it out. Hawkeyes 20, Boilermakers 17. Okay. That's so I think it's going to be one of those games where Purdue comes out of it like, how did we lose that game? Which, how often do you play Iowa come out of the game and say how Michigan state did it last week? How did Michigan state lose that game? They absolutely should have won that game except for that. Iowa makes plays on special teams and defense and they just do whatever they need to. 
Yeah, it's a very likely outcome as well. That's very, very possible. I can see that as well. I just, I don't know. I, I'm just, I've got, I've got, I've got a feeling on Purdue right now. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see. I think it's gonna be one of the better games of the weekend. I can't wait to watch it. It is the main reason why I'm getting Peacock is this weekend is because I want to be able to watch that game in real time. All right. Finally, we have the 5-0 and number two Michigan Wolverines coming to Dinkytown to play the 3-2 and Minnesota Golden Gophers. It is the battle for the Little Brown Jug, college football's original traveling trophy. If you don't know the story, just really briefly, Michigan came to town, and I believe it was 1903 to play the Gophers, and they believed the water would be tainted if they because <laughs> football's always been hardcore. It's always been hardcore in this country. We've always been playing for keeps. They were worried about tainted water, so they had to. They thought they had to bring their own water. They bought a jug. They sent out an equipment manager to buy a jug. In the craziness after the game, the jug was left behind, and from there it was kind of born. And the next time Michigan came to town, they or they said they said, "Hey, we want our jug back," and they were like, "Well, if you beat us, you can have it." And a tradition was born. So that was. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, but that is more or less the story of the little brown jug. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. And if you want, if you have a chance, go read into it even more. It's really fun. So this is a 6.30 p.m. Ga- game on NBC. Or if you really want to, you could watch it on Peacock. But I'm sure everyone's going to watch it on NBC. The line is Michigan negative 19. Total yards. Michigan averaged 411 to Minnesota's 342. Yards allowed, Michigan's giving up just 246 to Minnesota's 361. Uh, For Michigan, QB J.J. McCarthy is completing 79% of his passes for a wild 10.2 yards per attempt, 10 TDs, and just three interceptions. Blake Corum is the star at running back and has been dominating all year, while Donovan Edwards continues to struggle for whatever reason. In fact, the only question mark on the whole Michigan offense is why is Donovan Edwards having such a rough season? Everything else has pretty much gone perfectly for the Wolverines. Um, Roman Wilson's the best Michigan wide receiver. He has highlight catches every week. week. He's always worth the price of admission. Um, But Johnson and tight end Colston Loveland are also big targets for McCarthy. The only question mark about the whole Michigan offense, like we said, is Donovan Edwards. Everyone else is dominating. For Minnesota, QB 8th and Kaliak Manis has continued to play better as he's up to a 59% completion percentage, for, and that's up from just 51% a couple weeks ago. So he's been extremely accurate the past couple games. His yards per attempt is up too, but is still just a pedestrian 6.2 yards per attempt. He has five TDs and four interceptions. Uh, Darius Taylor is the star running back for Minnesota, um, but another freshman, Zach Evans, played well in his absence last weekend. So between Darius... Taylor and Zach Evans, they've won the Big Ten Freshman of the Week just about every week. No word on if Taylor will be able to play against Michigan or not. Um, I'm sure he wants to because he is from the state of Michigan, um, but that's unsure if we'll see him. We'll find out. As PJ always says, PJ Fleck always says, we'll find out two hours before the game is his way of not having to talk about injuries ever. Um, so I'd expect to see a lot of Zach Evans and Sean Tyler if Taylor's unable to play. Um, Daniel Jackson and Corey Crooms have been Minnesota's best wide receivers. It's up to them and Elijah Spencer to step up now that Lemecki Brockington is gone with a season ending injury. Michigan's the best team in the big 10. 
Uh, Minnesota showed improvement last week after a couple rough weeks before that. Um, John, what are you thinking about this game right now? Well, let me start by saying I have to disagree with you that Michigan, I mean, they're, well, I shouldn't say disagree. They are the best team in the Big Ten, but I think they're the best team in the country. I think that they, this this team is on its own level at this point and and they should be in my yeah. opinion ranked number one and and they're absolutely and there shouldn't be they a debate. absolutely should be number one they sh- there should not be a debate at this point in time either um, if georgia wasn't the two-time defending national title michigan would absolutely be number one with a with a bullet absolutely yeah so let's just start with that um before i even get into minnesota so because that's what we're up against that's what minnesota is up against here is i the yep. best team in the country in my book so essentially, you know, Minnesota has to play a perfect game. And even if it does play a perfect game, it will still probably lose. Um, yeah. So that's just the way yeah. it is. I mean, you know, the the what I want to see here in this game is is Minnesota put up uh, put up a fight. You know, I think at this point in time, what the the goal should be, obviously, number one, yes, would be to win the game. That would be great. That'd be amazing. Um, a miracle. But um, but to at this point, just to, to be respectable and and to maybe be the first team to put up double digits on Michigan this year, that would be amazing um, just to show that and to show that this there's improvement here and and have our defense show up in the way that I think it can. I think it can. It's just it's we haven't seen it yet. So I hope that happens. Um, Ethan is going to have to throw the ball. I don't think whoever we have back there, whether it's Darius. Zach, whoever, I don't think we're gonna Minnesota's gonna be able to run the ball well on this defensive line. I just don't think nobody's been able to run the ball in Michigan. No, so nobody's you, come close to running the ball in Michigan. So this is gonna be on Ethan's shoulders and and yep. our receivers and and you know the person that like it would I would just jump for joy if this guy just finally you know got out of his head is to see Revan Spanford maybe finally wake up and and do what we know he can do. Um, just to help out again, I don't think it'll be enough to, to have Minnesota win this game, but it'd be great to see that happen. So I'm just looking for improvement, um, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense from, from Minnesota, not to just get totally ran off the field. Um, in the first half, I'd love to see it go at least to halfway through the third quarter. That'd be fantastic. If we put up a fight up until then, um, we saw Rutgers, you know, keep Michigan in check for, for a half. So Minnesota, if you can do the same or better, uh, that's what I'm looking for and what I'm hoping for. But essentially, you know, I know I'm not saying a lot about Michigan because what are you going to say? They're the best team in the country. Um, I, they're phenomenal absolutely everywhere. What what else? I can't give you anything more than that. So th- that's it. Yeah, I mean, last year, if you had asked the question, what we wanted to see out of Michigan was more from J.J. McCarthy. But this year, J.J. McCarthy has answered all the questions. Yep. He's completing the vast majority. I mean, he's completing basically 80% of his passes. That's wild. That's crazy. And the fact that he's completing such a high percentage of his passes and still has 10.2 yards per attempt, like you you should not be able to be that accurate and that explosive. Usually you have to pick one or the other. So J.J. McCarthy has been incredible. Um, Blake Corum... You know, speaking of guys who are maybe the best running back in the country, um, I I'm with you. I'm I'm running at Roman Wilson. 
you know, is maybe the best as great. I mean, after Marvin Harrison Jr., Roman Wilson might be the best wide receiver in the Big Ten Mm -hmm. with everything he does. I I don't want to Wolverines fans. Are we saying enough for you? Superlatives. Yeah, (laughs) because I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I don't know how else to break this down. I'm with you. I think Minnesota could play the best game. They could play their best possible game and still lose. Yeah. So um, I wish I could say that I think this is going to, you know, be a more competitive game. Um, I do think Minnesota's defense could do some things potentially. I think this would be a good week for Minnesota's defense to show up at least in the first half and make things hard for Michigan and keep the game relatively close. But my issue is that the gopher offense and I just don't know if the Gopher offense is going to be able to move the ball at all against Michigan because no one has. No one's moved the ball against Michigan. Yeah. And the only points that have been scored have been scored by backups late in the game. Pretty much. So it's uh, it's going to be quite a challenge for the Gophers. I think that at least it's a night game. I think maybe that gives you a little bit of a home field advantage. The crowd, I think it's going to be a sellout crowd. It should be pretty amped. So the Gophers should have a lot of support. Um, but if they don't keep it competitive, you know, how long is the crowd going to stay into the game? Yeah. I want it to look better than I want Minnesota to look better than what, what happened, uh, with, with the Michigan Nebraska game. I don't know. If that, that was egregious. That was rough. Yeah. I, if, it looked like Nebraska just quit. Yeah. If we quit or and quit early. Exactly. And that's why I'm hoping to see that Minnesota at least continues to put up a fight. Um, it, at least halfway through the third quarter would be phenomenal. But, you know, even if it's just a half, um, I'll take it at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be much of a competition at the end of the day. Unfortunately, I think the Gophers are going to be, just want to get through this thing healthy to the bye week yeah. and try to regroup and come back and have a really strong second half to the season. And that's kind of why I don't expect to see Darius. I think PJ, yeah. The way he is, as we know, um, I think he'll probably keep Darius off the field so that, you know, uh, after the bye week, we'll be able to go in fully healthy or as healthy as possible. Because the Gophers ride into Kinnick after the bye week, and that's going to be a huge game and it's going to have Big Ten West championship implications. Yep. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's probably going to if Darius Taylor, if there's any question about Darius Taylor, I think Fleck will hold him out and wait for after the bye week to put him in to put him on the field. I also wonder if that that's playing into, I hope anyways, you know, that, that this in a way is, is the truth that, uh, we haven't seen Cody Lindenberg yet. Um, nope. I still, you know, and he's not going to be playing again this Saturday. Um, but part of me is hoping that like, well, okay, yes, something got re-aggravated a couple weeks ago, but that they're now at the point where they're like, you know what, we want to, we want to bring him back later. Um, and so I'm hoping that's the case, but either way, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, that's another big blow there too. Again, and with this game, we could really use him. Yeah. I mean, Cody Lindenberg is the second best, second or third best player on this defense. Um, he's the best linebacker on this defense and it's really hurt Minnesota's defense, not having him. The Gophers have really struggled. Um, Michigan does a lot of misdirection, a lot of, a lot of plays, a lot of games with you in the run game. And they try to, they try to get your eyes in the wrong place. And Minnesota's linebackers have had their eyes in the wrong place a lot. Yeah. So I would expect that the running game for Michigan is effective. And I expect Blake Corum to have a really big game. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's pick it. 
<laughs> you can't call us homers. You can't call us homers. No. <laughs> All right. I have got Michigan 35, Minnesota 10. I think the Gophers are going to fight. I think they're going to show a lot. I think they're going to really try to do something for the for the home crowd. And I think they're going to end up with 10 points. Okay. I've got Michigan 38 and Minnesota 10. I think that Michigan is just going to be able to throw an extra one in there just because, you know, why not? So, but, yeah. All right. Sorry, awesome. I'm so dejected right now. Just talking about this. I'm just preparing myself. I'm get, already getting. Well, hey, at least you're. At mentally. least you won't be at the game. That's I'm going to be there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So that could get. It could get to be a long night. It's going to be funny too because I have. It's. It's my dad's going with me, but then also a friend of mine who cheers for the Gophers, but doesn't really care what happens. Yeah. You know. So he he might be in for a rude awakening when he realizes that everybody's sad. <laughs> I just hope, hopefully that sadness aspect of it, hopefully there'll be some level of hope, at least through the first half. That'd be great. So, Yeah, I want to see enough good things to be, to yeah. I mean, there are no moral victories in major college football. I don't believe in that. No. I don't believe in that at all. But I do want to see the Gophers show some things that they can build on um, going into that bye week. Well, it should be a good week, weekend of college football either way. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of these games. I think it's going to be exciting um, and especially some games that are more intriguing than I think what uh, what most people are predicting. So, you know, that'll be good. Um, but until then, if you want to find us, um, you can like rate review follow. Uh, this is We Live for Saturday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. And on Twitter, or X, I'm going to call it Twitter, um, you can find it at We Live for B1G Sat. That's at We Live for B1G Sat. Please give us a follow, give us feedback, whatever it is you want to say. We'd love to hear it. Give us a five-star review. It helps us a lot. It helps people find the podcast. And don't you want other people to find the podcast so that they can experience it with you? So please give us a five-star review. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. For We Live for Saturday, this is Mike. And I hope you have a great weekend watching football. And we will be back on Sunday to talk about all the games. Take care.